Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022. It's about 3.35 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, our guest today, of course, is no stranger to Judging Freedom fans. He's our regular military analyst, Scott, our analyst, Scott Ritter. Scott, it's a pleasure. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Since uh, we spoke uh, last, we did speak about the evacuation of Kherson by the Russians uh, and the claim of triumph by the uh, Ukrainians. But since we had that conversation on air, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine uh, went to Kherson uh, and proclaimed that this is the beginning of the end of the Russian war. So hold your fire. Here's what he said. This is the beginning of the, the end of the war. Because you see our strong army, we are step by step coming uh, to, our, to our country, to all the temporary occupied territories. And uh, of course, it's, it's a pity, but it's a long way, difficult way, because this, this war to the best heroes of our country. And so, but, but for us, it's very understandable. We don't believe Russia, yes, and uh, they're tricking with all the world. That's why we are going forward. We're ready for peace, but our peace for our country is all our country, all our territory. So a couple of questions. We're ready for peace. Is that a signal to Tony Blinken and uh, Vladimir Zelensky that maybe emissaries can meet in Geneva? Or is this propaganda? Or does he really believe what he's saying? Well, I mean, the conditions that uh, Zelensky and uh, the Ukrainian government have attached to peace are unrealistic. Uh, one, they have to win the war first. <laughs> we we'll can get to that. I'm sure you'll ask me a question about that. But uh you know, when he says that uh, our conditions for peace are that Russia not only has to withdraw from all the four territories, uh, Zaporizhia, Kherson, Donbass, and, uh, Don Donetsk, and uh, Lugansk, uh, have to return them, um, and Crimea while you're at it, uh, understanding that Article 64 of the Russian Constitution, it's, this is Russia, can't, the Constitution can't have, and B, uh, they have to submit all of their generals, officers, and Putin himself to Ukraine for uh, trials as war criminals. Uh, so it's a non-starter. It's literally a fantasy. It's put forward there. Uh, and the United States has chastised them. Uh, indeed, uh, just the other day, William Burns, the director of the CIA, who just met in a secret back channel session with uh, the Russians in Ankara, Turkey, um, was traveling there to tell Zelensky, get real. That ain't going to happen, dude. Uh, and 
the heavy fist is about to come down and you had better get on the off ramp before it's denied to you by the Russians. Because it's the Biden administration uh, either uh, approaching the limit that Congress authorized uh, for military aid or is Biden coming to his senses that it's time for us to to stop financing this war? I mean, stated differently, what did Burns say and why did he say it? This is the head of the CIA talking to his Russian counterpart in Ankara, Turkey, if I have that right. Correct. And it's it's not their first meeting, <laughs> meaning that this is a back channel has been ongoing for some time. The purpose of the back channel is, is to create a conversation to prevent escalation to nuclear conflict. But right now, the United States is um, trying to identify uh, what conditions are set by Russia for, for, for the end of this conflict. I think Russia has made it clear, um, demilitarization, denazification, and NATO out of Ukraine, uh, nothing's going to change. And I think Burns is relaying that to, um, to, to Zelensky and adding the fact that, hey, next month, remember you, you showed the clip where Zelensky was saying, um, you know, we've won, we're winning. Enjoy your enjoy the moment, President Zelensky. Enjoy. All right, let, let yeah, me, about thirty days before two hundred twenty thousand Russian troops show up, and you ain't got a solution to that. Okay, I was going to ask you that simple question that I usually ask you at the beginning, but you're so smart, Major. You answered you answered it already. I'm sorry, One, Judge. <laughs> two hundred twenty thousand Russian troops are about to enter the theater of war, so Ukraine has not won, and Ukraine is not going to win. Uh, and the uh, statement we saw was propaganda value, I guess. He had his troops there, and he had some jubilant uh, locals there. You could hear them chanting and uh, and screaming in the background. Uh, are you still of the view that the evacuation of Kyrgyzstan was a strategic, and it wasn't a surrender at all, and, and President Putin knows that? Well, I mean, first of all, let's be honest. They had to do it because they were in a difficult military situation. Um, they were in a situation that if they had attempted to retain the uh, Kherson bridgehead, um, they would have suffered losses. Um, and the Russian military was like, we don't need to die for this territory right now. We can pull back because in a month, we got 10 to 15 divisions showing up. And uh, the game is over at that point in time. So why sacrifice 3,000 guys now when we can save their lives and this thing's going to be resolved next month when a new reality is created? Okay. Uh, within hours of uh, President Zelensky making that uh, comment, a missile fired by, we don't know, manufactured by, we don't know, aimed at, we don't know, landed in a small Polish village uh, and killed two people, not, not military people, as far as we know. Uh, a big uproar. And then, of course, the uproar died down because the Western media has persuaded everybody that this was a mistake. It was an error. It was probably the Ukraines trying to shoot down uh, a Russian missile. Here's what President Zelensky had to say to his his equivalent of his National Security Council after he received two reports that contradict uh, what the Western media is now claiming. Я навіть не сумніваюсь в доповіді вечірній мені особисто від командуючого повітряних сил до главкома залужного. Я не сумніваюсь в тому, що це була не наша ракета або не наш ракетний удар. Вони не мають сенсу їм не довіряти. Я з ними війну пройшов і з вами. Правда. Щось отримав. 
остаточні висновки, якщо немає слід. Ну, мені здається, це справедливо. справедливо. В спільній слідчій групі ми маємо право, якщо говорять, що це ми. Хтось там говорить. Маємо... All right, it wasn't, here's what he's saying, it wasn't the Ukrainian missile and the Poles who are investigating need to have us as part of the investigation. What are, what are your sources or what does your instinct tell you that is all about? Who, who shot it? How did it get there? What's the truth? Well, the, the, let's start with basic facts. Uh, two Polish citizens died. So if you're right. the Polish government, you have to launch an investigation into what is in effect murder because Poland's not at war. Somebody killed these two citizens. Who did it? A missile landed in Poland that killed these two citizens. That missile we now know is a Ukrainian S-300 surface-to-air missile. We know this. The serial numbers on it, everything points to Ukraine. Russia doesn't have that missile. Um, NATO admits that they tracked this missile all the way into Poland. NATO knows where it was launched from. We know everything about this. Trust me, I used to do this for a living. When that missile was launched, we know it. When the radars were turned on, we know it. We know it's a Ukrainian missile. We know it impacted on Polish soil. That's why the president's telling Zelensky, stop this nonsense of denying. We know the truth. Now, Zelensky may be in a situation where he's being told that it wasn't his. And I'll tell you why I believe this might be the case. There are elements of the Ukrainian military that realize, because let's put it in the context of why this missile was launched. Ukraine was getting a snot kicked out of it by 90 Russian missiles that were knocking out their electrical infrastructure and their gas Uh, production. Ukraine's going into the dark ages, and the Ukrainian military knows there's nothing they can do to stop this unless NATO intervenes. They need NATO to set up a no-fly zone over Ukraine. That would be their salvation. So to do this, somebody in the Ukrainian military, I believe, launched this missile at Poland. Why? Because the missile, the, miss, the, the Russian missiles are coming in from the east to the west. The way surface-to-air missiles work is you have a big radar that detects this, Then you have a little radar up front that guides a missile fired from west to east to intercept the missile. This missile went from east to west into Poland. How does that happen? And how does it do it on a ballistic trajectory? I know from my experience that you take it to make a surface-to-air missile, a ballistic missile, you point a radar point in the sky, the missile guides on it, and then goes to a ballistic trajectory down. Somebody in Ukraine painted the sky over Poland with a radar signature that sent a missile to Polish territory. That's the only way that missile gets to Poland. The All only right, so way. This, so this was a false flag in, in an effort to, to I guess, uh, prick the thin skin of the pre of President Duda, the president of Poland, and draw the Polish in. I mean, this is the president who said, uh, well, Russia's got to return Crimea before this is over, which, of course, as you described, is insane and impossible, both legally and militarily. Um, But this, this was an act of murder and a false flag. If you agree with that, could something of this magnitude have happened without President Zelensky having authorized it? I believe the answer is yes. I believe there's elements in the Ukrainian military that are um, especially nationalists uh, who are affiliated with the Western Ukraine uh, territory to begin with, who are conspiring with the Poles. Uh, to create the conditions for Article 4 of the NATO Charter to be invoked. And look what happened. As soon as this was reported, you had the Poles, you had the Latvians, the Estonians, the Lithuanians, all official governments coming out saying, this is an Article 4 thing. We need to convene NATO. We need to put air defense into Ukraine and a no-fly zone into Ukraine instantly. Before any analysis, 
came out, that's the first thing they came in. They were on a hair trigger alert to invoke Article 4. It failed because the adults in the room, the people who understand what Article 4 would bring, i.e. nuclear conflict with Russia, uh, said, we're not doing that. Plus, they knew the evidence didn't stack up. But everybody else is back down except Zelensky, because I don't think Zelensky knew that this was going to happen. Zelensky's being told we didn't do it, but somebody did do it. And I'm telling you, there's no way that missile got from Ukraine to Poland without a radar dot in the si- sky. And that had to be done by a Polish radar. Is I mean, President Zelensky in, in, the, in the tape we just watched, was President Zelensky lying to the National Security Council, or did he believe what he was saying? Did his generals lie to him, or did they believe what they were saying? I mean, there's a disconnect somewhere here. How, how, I, how, does, cha- how does command and control work, if at all, in the Ukraine military, in the Ukraine government, if something like this can happen and the top guy doesn't know about it? Well, because you had officers at the bottom ranks who were probably nationalists who uh, who did this without permission. I believe that the Air Force commander and the the, the, the chief of staff of the Ukrainian armed forces uh, are telling the truth to Zelensky. We didn't order this. All our missiles were being fired against Russian missiles. We didn't do this. The problem is, before you make that statement, you know that investigation Zelensky wants? I mean, the criminal wanting to go to the crime scene before the crime scene's been thoroughly investigated. It's absurd. But what he could do is seize the radar that was used to launch that missile, detain the crew, and begin questioning people. Give me your radar tracking. Let's look at this. Go to NATO and say, was a radar active at this site? Where was it oriented? What was the orientation? When was this launched? Do that investigation, and you'll find who the culprits are. Somebody fired that missile. That missile was aimed at a radar spot that took it from an east to west trajectory Find those people. If you want an investigation, President Zelensky, that's where you begin. Is the uh, Scott is the Ukrainian military um, of such that there are hotheads in there that would do something like this on their own without permission from their superiors? I mean, what rank would have done this? Sergeant, lieutenant, captain, major? I mean, do they have ranks like like we have in the West? They do, and and, and it, this would be a a, a, a section. Or a you know of a battery, so you, you, it could be uh, somebody as low as a captain. It could be somebody a major. Um, it could be higher than that. But this is something that is easily done by a major. Uh, you don't need permission when you're being attacked to fire a surface-to-air missile. They probably thought they could be clever and put the tracking missile in that direction and send the missile that way, and then claim uh, malfunction. But the missile doesn't malfunction that way. I've investigated these things before. It doesn't okay. work that way. Uh, let's talk about uh, diplomacy. Uh, what what were uh, the head of the, I guess it's the FSB, the successor to the KGB, Bill Burns's um, uh, counterpart, and the head of the CIA talking about? And what were they doing in Turkey? Well, it was the uh, head of the SVR, which is their foreign intelligence. The FSB is like our FBI uh, okay. with a lot more muscle. Um the um, don't don't let the FBI hear you say that. <laughs> well, they just heard it. They just heard it. <laughs> but uh, they know right. I'm telling the truth. They don't have a private army. They do. Um, yeah. The uh, they've been having this conversation for for months now. Back in July, they met um, in secret in Armenia, and what was on the table then was nuclear de-escalation um, and, and and talks about how do we prevent this from escalating to a nuclear conflict establishing lines of communication and talking about the potential of arms control. This time, now that they've established that 
connectivity that dampens down the possibility of nuclear war, uh, the next thing is how do we end this conflict? And uh, Burns was having a frank discussion, I believe, with his uh, with his uh, uh, Russian counterpart um, and received some hard truths because the, the, the head of the SVR is not going to deviate meaningfully from stated policy of the Russian government. And the hard truths are what I just told you. Hey, William, baby, 200,000 troops show up on the battlefield next month. We didn't mobilize them for nothing. Um, don't come to us and ask about a diplomatic on-ramp. We're winning this war. We're going to win this war. And if you want the war to end, you have to give us something that we're going to get anyways. If you, you know, The key here isn't that we give up something. It's what you want Ukraine to preserve. Do you want them to preserve Odessa and continued access to the sea? Then they must end this conflict now on our terms, not their terms. And if I were writing this script, I would write it just the way you did. And I might add this. And by the way, Mr. CIA director, I'm doing you a favor by telling me, telling you this. Get your CIA agents who are in plain clothes out of there because they're not going to last much longer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough time for Ukraine. Look, I, again, I, I'm taking a smile off my face because this is tragic. Um, yeah. they, they literally are going into the Stone Ages right now, uh, and they only have themselves to blame. All of this is part uh, of your view uh, of, a, of a bigger disease. Uh, a disease of the mind in Western diplomats and particularly American uh, diplomats that America has the God-given right to control the world and can finance puppets to fight for that control and then can tell those puppets what kind of government they should establish. I mean, you've told us many times, Phil Giraldi has, Colonel McGregor, that this this war started in 2014, and it started by the CIA fomenting a revolution against the popularly uh, elected, albeit pro-Russian uh, government. Do you accept everything that I've just said as a fair summary of your views? And if you do, can you take the ball and run with it? I, I, I do accept that. I mean, I, I accuse America of being infected with the disease of hubris, national hubris, uh, the arrogance that comes with that. Um, Read the national security strategy document that was just published by the um, the Biden administration and look at the emphasis it's played on the rules-based international order. Then ask yourself, what is the rules-based international order? It's not international law set forth by the United Nations Charter. It's a bunch of side agreements and deals that the United States cut with the rest of the world in the aftermath of the Second World War to imbue us, the United States, with total power and authority over everything the way the world works, especially financial. And so now, because the dollar, especially the petrodollar after the 1970s, touches everything, anything that touches the dollar, we feel we have a right to sanction and control. So we're dictating terms of global existence to the world that doesn't want to be dictated to. And that's what we're running into right now. The world is starting to get tired of American hegemony. They're, they're tired of the arrogance. We call ourselves the exceptional nation. We say that we, the world cannot function without us. Well, the world's getting ready to say, watch us. So if there's any negotiating going on, any back channel, if anybody from Russia and Ukraine is secretly meeting in a hotel room in Geneva, there's somebody from the State Department there. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Uh, can, can, so th this can't end with a negotiation unless uh, President Zelensky comes to his senses, and he might come to his senses if President Biden calls him up and said, that's it. That's it. I can't take the uh, political heat. The Republicans have taken control of the House. I can't get another. I can't get another nickel 
uh, out of the Congress. My slush fund uh, is empty. You got to you got to talk. Yeah, I, I think the only negotiating that's going to take place is going to be similar to what that would took place on the deck of the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay in Ooh. September of 1945. or in a, much negotiation. <laughs> none whatsoever. Or the negotiation took place in Berlin in May of 1945, where a German general sat down at a table full of Soviet generals who said, sign the paper or die. That's the negotiation that's going to occur. Scott Ritter, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.